Hey, what's up? I'm Joel Madden, and this is Artist Friendly. On this episode, we'll be talking to my friend, country singer Orville Peck. We'll be talking about his upcoming fifth annual rodeo, which is in Pioneertown, California, November 10th, 11th, and 12th. We'll be talking about his life, his music, and much more. Let's go. Orville, thank Hi. you for being here. Thank you for having me. So are the um are they custom the masks? Yeah. So you so, get them all made by the same per you have a you have mm, a person? So I used to make them myself. Yeah. Uh my old ones used to like cover they used to cover way more of my face. Mm -hmm. I used to sew those. Actually, I would sew the leather with a machine and I would sew the fringe by hand. Um and then now these ones that have like my ear, like I show a bit more. Yeah. These ones are made by a special effects company. They make all of the like, they did the entire Buffy series. They make like a lot of the, I think a lot of like the Marvel stuff and superhero stuff. So that's kind of cool. They they actually molded my entire upper body, which seems so unnecessary. But there's like a they they like built this with clay on a on like a completely lifelike bust of my whole upper body. Right. And I ha I got to keep the bust, so I like I like drove home with it, like strapped in the seat next to me. Yeah. Well, that's like a. <laughs> It's an art form. Yeah, for sure. What they're doing too. Oh, 100%. Like it's literally like hand molded it to my face. It's kind of how they, they do the stuff for the movies. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a, it's, it's in, it's in a relationship to your whole body. Yeah. 100%. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. What's the feeling and what's the connection with like the mask? I think it's a lot of things. I think it's funny, like over the years, it's meant more to me and it's become more meaningful and also less meaningful in some ways. Um, it started truthfully just because I wanted to do something interesting kind of visually and artistically within right. the country space. Yeah. Um, cause I love, you know, I grew up loving like, you know, I like grew up as a punk and I grew up loving like Bowie and Grace Jones and, you know, Freddie Mercury and like that kind of, I don't know, Lou Reed, like these kind of, um, people who seem to almost have these like larger than life personas, but they didn't feel like they were playing characters necessarily. Yeah. It's this really weird space with the rock and roll showmanship. When you see who's good at it. Yeah. When you talk about like Freddie Mercury or David Bowie or, uh, you know, when you look at them, it is them. Yeah. It's, there's, it's all, it has to be, that's the funny, like fine line about it is like, it has to be authentic or else it does look like a gimmick. Yep. And I think I think people can t really tell the difference, you know? I mean, I can tell the difference. And I think for me, you know, I grew up in South Africa, so not very much, you know, sort of typical Western cowboy culture. But my grandfather, he was a policeman and he was a he used to be on horseback and he would uh he was in charge of being this policeman for like all of the these farms in KwaZulu Natal and he would like leave for like a week on horseback and come back and whatever. Mm. And so like I think my idea of, I had this fascination with like cowboys sort of already. Mm. Uh, I loved the Lone Ranger and I used to watch this show called Cheyenne. Yep. Which I was obsessed with. Yeah. And so I, I already had this fascination with like cowboys as sort of like a trope. Um, and I and I always thought that they were, had to sort of cover their faces. Like they always had like handkerchiefs on to like cover their, because they were like outlaws, right? Yeah. Um, so, and then when I grew up and I got into country music, and I decided I wanted to, you know, sing country. 
I kind of thought, well, what's my contribution going to be in the country sphere? Like what's missing from the kind of the, the tapestry of country that I think would be interesting if, as a fan of country that I would really enjoy. And I was like, you know, there's no like David Bowie of country. There's yeah. no like currently at least, you know? Um, and so I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make really sincere, you know, my kind of version of old school country, but I'm going to present it in this way. That's like very theatrical. Cause I think that crossroads is really interesting. What age did you move from South Africa? I was 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah, I lived, um, it's the one place I lived the longest. You don't have a accent. I know, it's all over the place. If I speak to my parents, though, it comes out. Comes out a little bit? Yeah. It's like when I go to Maryland. Yeah, you like, start like. <laughs> a little bit of the Maryland, it's oh like God, a Maryland that. twang that happens. Yeah. That's, we say certain words. Yeah, there's like something funny with R's in Maryland. Yeah. Like, like Arn. We, and we say boat. Yeah. And we say phone. Yeah. It's well, Maryland's like, funny. It's like stuck between the South and hun, the Midwest. And it's, yeah. so it's like this convergence hun. of like culture and They say and hun. Accents. Everyone says hun. Yeah. So your mom says hun. I love. Yeah. I mean, one of my biggest icons ever and also friend, which is nuts, is John Waters, right? And oh, yeah. Like, you know, he's from Baltimore. He's from so Baltimore. I know all about Maryland. It's a very quirky place. Well, he's, he's iconic. Of course. Oh, my God. Yeah. How did you guys meet? It's a pretty funny story, actually. I, uh, uh, I had heard he was a fan of mine, which of course, again, I thought was a lie. Uh, and then I heard it from a few people that he was, uh, he does this Christmas tour once a year and he does like a stand, it's sort of like stand up and stories. And this one year for the Christmas tour, he was saying his, his ideal Christmas dinner guests, like dead or alive. And it was all these people. And it was, I was one of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so That's then, sick. amazing. That's and I've been, cool. I've like, I've like idolized John Waters like my whole life. Right. Yeah. So I freaked out at this information. Then I, I found out that we had the same, um, agency. Um, and so I lied to one of my agents where I said, Hey, I'm, I'm actually supposed to have a, a phone call with John Waters, but no one's like sent over his phone number yet. Um, I'm, I'm, can you, I'm still waiting for that. And they were like, oh, our bad. We'll, we'll, we'll hit it. So I like fully scammed his phone number and I had it for ages. So this is the punk in me too coming out again. Yeah. Just like, <laughs> it's like super unethical probably. Um, yeah. And then uh, I was on tour in Australia and I was sitting in a lobby in Sydney waiting to get picked up to go on some to some festival. And the trans, we, I think we had like checked out of the hotel and the transport was an hour away. We we're just like all trying to kill time in this lobby. And I had been like, I had this phone number like burning a hole in my pocket for like months. Crazy. Because I was so scared to also act on it. Cause I was like, I don't know if he's going to be like pissed or like, yeah. you know, my agent's going to be pissed or whatever. And I was just like, fuck it. I'm just going to call this number. And also, you know, knowing John Waters, you're like, I don't know if this is going to be like a landline. I don't know if this is going to yeah. be like a payphone in the middle think, of an right? abandoned mall. Like, Same, the, yeah. you know, like it could be like anything it's really, a, right? Yeah, some motel. Yeah, like, office. so I just like cold call this number and I just hear, hello. And I was like, <gasps> I was like, hi, is this John? And he's like, yes, who's this? <laughs> and I was like, this is Orville Peck. And he goes, Orville Peck? I'm a huge fan. <laughs> and then we literally, he never even asked me. I didn't tell him this story until like two years into our friendship. Like right. he never, he never asked how I got his phone number. That's crazy. Of course. Never cared. Like immediately we just started chatting and like talking like we were old friends. And then, you know, we catch up on the phone. He's like one of the few people I love to have just like phone conversations with all the time. Um, yeah. He's like, 
he he hosted my one of my rodeos when I did Red Rocks. He was the host. Amazing. Uh, he is an incredible, incredible person. He actually just I just saw him. He just got his Hollywood Walk of Fame star not long ago. Awesome. Yeah. He He's scared. a legend, Maryland legend. Oh my God, legend, yeah. Uh, you're such a fun friend. I mean, when we played that sh little show, that at the Veep show, and you were, I swear, I was like a little nervous because it was a small room. Yeah. And, I, and it was full of people that I respected. So um, I was like, oh my God. I didn't even know you were gonna be there, and then you were there, and I was like, oh my God, Oral's here. What are we gonna do? And then we, and I was like, well, we gotta play our songs. <laughs> And then you were front and center and it made the show for me. I swear to God, it felt like we were in a friend's basement. It was you and the Chase Atlantic guys. Yeah. It was so like, much fun. Nicole. Nicole, her sister. Like Sophia. Poppy. And I, I remember, Poppy. Dude, singing every word, all of us. Like, yeah. When I tell you, like, you know, I was there with three friends and we just were like, we still are like that. I think that was like one of the best nights. Not I think that was one of the most fun nights of my life. It was so like, fun. All of us just yeah. huddled around with you. Yeah, it was like a basement at a punk show. Like it was like just a, yeah. jumping, singing every word. I mean, it was incredible. And it was so, we all left being like, man, like that kind of inner child you talk about, like it was like so needed. Like you forget yeah. how needed those moments are of just like pure unadulterated joy. That's you know? why we do music. Yeah. And like, it's just, it was so much fun. I was so, honored and happy to have been there that's awesome man i still say thank you for that oh well, thank you it I made was, that show yeah. it made it it was it was unforgettable yeah for sure i'll never forget that what's south africa like for 14 years uh my favorite place on earth still um i've been i've been yeah i'm from we, johannesburg we actually our weirdly our band was like that was one of our biggest markets. I believe it. There's huge alternative community in South Africa, yeah. and especially in the 90s, you know, when I was there. Yeah. Um, I left in 2002. But yeah, like, um, you know, my both sides of my family, like, you know, eight, like back to like the 1700s in South Africa, basically, like South African through and through. Uh, lived through uh, apartheid with, you know, mixed race members of our family. Um, had very... My parents were both from very poor backgrounds, so sort of a very different, uh, I guess, lens of what being a white South African is, but also experiencing and benefiting from white privilege my whole life. And so understanding the concept of that yeah. and it not being like a foreign thing to have to learn and have empathy and compassion for. Yeah. And then, yeah, my father, as I said, a sound engineer, he eventually in 2002 got a job offer in Canada and we were, you know, we really needed the work. And so very, very sadly left, you know, we, we all, everyone in my family, we, we miss it every day. I try to go back as much as possible. I was there for my birthday and for New Year's Eve this year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I, it would be my dream to own a, uh, something out there like in the bush. Cause I spend most of my time out in like, um, you know, what Americans call like safari. But, right. Yeah. I love it there. Was Canada tough because it was a new place and you were new, new there and yeah. You know, Vancouver's They're, nice, but it's Vancouver's different. Vancouver's nice, but yeah, like it was interesting and hard. But at the same time, you know, in high school, the first friend I made was my friend Andrea, who I met you with. Yeah. Uh, she's, I'm like the godfather to her son now. I've been friends with her for like my whole life. Uh, I've played in multiple bands with her. She uh, gave me the courage to be in a band, to pursue music, even though she's now like a librarian, even though she used to scream in a punk band. Yeah. <laughs> so me moving to Vancouver really and meeting Andrea uh, was the sort of uh, domino effect to 
really where I, where I am right now. So no regrets about it at all. But yeah, it was hard at first for sure. Different, really different culture. South African culture is very just, um, I think, open and, you know, Southern hemisphere culture in general. It's like yeah. the sun and kind of friendliness is in a different way and humor is in a different way. And, uh, and then, you know, Canada can be quite conservative in some ways, yeah. even though it's very liberal. I think there's a lot of British colony feel to it in some, in some ways. Yeah. Um, yeah. Canadians have a way about that. Yeah. And it's not bad, but I think humor can be a bit different. Yeah. Culturally though, it is different. It's its own thing. It was definite culture shock, especially for my parents, I think, you know, but yeah, so it was an interesting transition, but listen, I mean, Vancouver, I still consider one of my many homes because I had very formative years there, learned how to play in punk bands there, learned how to be, you know, DIY culture there. We shoot Ink Master there. Oh, amazing. The TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm there uh, six weeks at a time when we do that show. It's gorgeous. It's, it, and we made two records there. So yeah. we have a nice relationship with Vancouver uh, and Canada. Our, you know, Good Charlotte was always, we always did well in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I, I think Vancouver is beautiful, but it is different. It's just a different culture. For sure. And in a, most of it is great because it's like calm it's to itself. Yeah. You know, you you can go through that city and everyone's polite. No one there is really like tripping or starstruck or everybody's pretty just chill there. Yeah. So it's one of those. I, I think they have like a really it's a great city. Yeah. West it's not like Coast a West city. Coast. Yeah, exactly. But Canadians subtly, it is a completely different culture than the U.S. Yep. But we get along well. A hundred percent. But I could totally see how moving there at 14 being dropped in there yeah. is a is culture shock. It was uh yeah, especially I think for my family we felt very much. But it's funny Vancouver is also very much a, a city of immigrants. Like yeah, lot, all, almost all the kids I went to school with were from former Yugoslavia. You know from like yeah, you yep. know so it's like we all sort of kind of felt like immigrants in this Canadian city. So yeah, it was an interesting sort of little mix that I had growing up anyway. And how do you like L.A.? I love L.A. I've lived here kind of ten on and off for like ten years. Yeah. Um, and I now own a place here that I've had for two years. Awesome. Yeah. And which is insane because I never thought I would ever own a house period. Um, but I love LA. The weather reminds me of South Africa a lot. It's like very much, I'm a, I'm huge on plants and nature. Yeah. The, the plants and everything are very much the same. Uh, I love it here. All, so many friends here. Is there anywhere else you like to spend time? Yeah. I love the desert. So I love Joshua tree. Yeah. You know, I love to go out there. Uh, if it wasn't so hot, I would maybe live out there full time, but I don't think I could handle it in like the summer, summer. Yeah. Um, but I actually really am starting to lo- think and look at like uh, kind of more up the coast, like Santa Barbara, Montana. I love Santa Barbara. I know you do. You and Nicole, you told me yeah. about it long ago, how yeah, you and Nicole yeah. always go to Santa Barbara. We've been going Barbara, there for yeah. 17 years. And like, honestly, I, th- I think that might be the move eventually. It's so chill up there. Yeah. It's got that like Bay I want like area. a bit more ranchy vibe like yeah. gonna have some animals type of thing like there's lots of horses yeah. it's oh there's not that many people in the whole county i love it yeah and then when you go up past santa barbara it's all nature up the coast is it's it's beautiful yeah. it's awesome i think that's probably eventually where i'll where i'll that's cool yeah. it's got a little bit of a western flair for sure yeah there's yeah. like saint louis louis obispo and all that stuff yeah and like yeah yeah but uh Solvang, yeah. mm-hmm. all those I like it up there. yeah it's cool yeah I was so excited to talk to you because I'm a big fan mm. of your music. You know that. I know. I've thank told you a million times. Um, me and Nicole listen to your music a lot together, so we share that as as a you know in relationships when you have your music and you you know for different things and 
So, and you as a as an artist are so fascinating because you are so many different things balled up into country. Um, the majority of country that's marketed to us, right? Because I'm a country music fan too. Mm -hmm. There needs to be artistic and creative perspective put into country. There needs to be exactly what you're doing. And then the way you do it, and I know that we've talked about this and, and I wanted to get into it today um, about where you come from, growing up in South Africa. And then when we met, you were in Canada. It's also interesting how we met, and we'll get to that. I, I don't want to. I don't want to push too many things together. Yeah, in this no, for sure. One statement. <laughs> so sticking still to the artistry and and you and country. When I listen to your music, I hear fifties, old school. When country and rock and roll were the same thing back in the fifties, when there was there was melodies and it was romantic. Yeah. When you listen to that music now, it's very romantic to think about that time. Yeah. Right. And you execute that better than anyone on planet earth right now. When you think about the style of music you play, if anyone else did it, you'd be like, oh, they're doing a throwback, right? You are not a throwback, but you are a throwback, right? You call back to these great things, but you do it right now. And when you see a Norval Peck show in 2023, it's a modern rock and roll country, but also elegant and simple. And it, the way that you execute your thing, that's why I know it's authentic. That's why you can wear the mask. That's it, it because it's you. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I think for me, I, as much as I'm obviously like a performer through and through, and I'm very much like a showman and all that stuff, like, I don't really like being a spectacle <laughs> as as silly as that maybe sounds because I look so standout, obviously, but like I wouldn't want to feel like I was a gimmick or I was like doing something kind of cheap or like looking for like, you know, sort of easy attention. Like I like to make everything I do extremely intentional. Uh, I overthink absolutely everything um, to the nth degree. Uh, and, you know, I have an opinion about everything down to the font on the poster that's going to be for the venue because I want everything to be part of sort of my vision and I care so much about everything I do. And so, yeah, it, it's very important to me when I, it always was and still is, even more so, the thing I think I push myself more and more with, it's actually, you know, partly the reason why I changed my mask and evolved that a little bit and show a little more. And it's also why... Um, I started to sing about more about where I'm from and more about personal family stuff, which I never used to do before. Cause I think my other contribution now is to get away with, like you said, the theatricality is I keep having to push myself to be more and more vulnerable and authentic, which honestly, like I said, I actually, I'm kind of a private person, obviously, but like as much as I'm, and so I don't really like being sort of like a spectacle or the center of, center of attention. So that's what I really push myself to do, like lyrically and musically now, is with each album, with each song, to be, yeah, more vulnerable and expose myself a little bit more each time, I guess. Do you think um, vulnerability has been in, in the writing? Because I, I feel like maybe, maybe love songs that are vulnerable, it's a different kind of vulnerability because you're singing about heartache and mm -hmm. are you a hopeless romantic? Yeah. 
what's worse than hopeless? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a tragic. Yeah. Tragic, insatiable, um, uh, <laughs> a doomed romantic bleeding heart. Yeah, exactly. Um, of course. And I'm, I'm, I'm painfully and ridiculously sentimental. You know what I mean? Like, um, <clears throat> I, uh, I think I have two songs in my entire catalog that are fictional, like, you know, about something sort of like made up, like, um, painfully sentimental uh i've kept journals since i was uh god i think like eight years old wow i have a lot a lot i still have all of them like tons and tons of uh, diaries and very much diary entry like today i did this kind of style do you still do you still write journals every day wow i mean i'd say now as i've gotten older they've become maybe less like not as linear as they used to be it used to be literally like dear diary you know now it's like it could just be sort of like lyrics or it could be thoughts. Like, yeah, for sure. But um, I still keep journals all the time. Do you think you'll ever um, put a book together and share those with people? Yeah, I think so. I've actually, um, I've started working on something that's going to be like a 10, 15 year long thing probably or whatever, however long it'll be. But um, I'm kind of starting to once a month do something that'll be essentially a long term project like that. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I would love to read that. Yeah, it's it's starting to it's I mean it's just started happening and it's it's really fascinating because I'm I'm doing it with someone that I really um respect as a writer and uh I've worked with before and it's it's very interesting to have somebody prompt you about things about yourself in a way that isn't really in like in an interview format in a way yeah. that just feels like really just genuinely talking about your, you know, growing up or your childhood and it brings up a lot of, uh, I mean, I'm also just getting even more sensitive the older I get, which is crazy, but like, it really brings up a lot of emotion, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it is an interesting thing where, I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this too, you know, having spoken a lot to you and Benji, but like, I think when you, when you come up like sort of the old way, <laughs> like, as I like to call there it, there is like, an old way. Yeah. Like when you come up, you know, sort of not from much and you know you you do it out of like love to begin with mostly and a lot of hard work and you know sacrifice uh for your career i think it's funny to like look back and think about those times and it it does make me sort of emotional it's interesting it is emotional because the idea that we could have big success right that we could be known you know or globally recognized as our on our music brands yours uh, mine um at the time when we started, it was a pipe dream. That was not actually, that was like a hope. That would be, oh, that would be, a, that was a pipe dream. 100%. But the fact that we could just do it was a good enough at the time because when you're an artist, you love to make things, you love to make music, you love to create and share with people and go, hey, look what I made. And then yeah. do they like it? And if they like it, you, you're, and then I think when you, get to where you are today, if I can say so about you, um, uh, you know you're gonna get showered in compliments here, man. <laughs> um, you're an icon, man. You're iconic and you're important to people because you represent a lot of things. And whether you set out to be that or not, and I know this, this is what I know about you, you're an artist through and through, you're making, you're writing little, I can see you journaling, I can imagine that because I know you well enough to know that you're sensitive enough to want to put that little I, that little thought you had that maybe you wouldn't share with anyone else. Maybe you wouldn't say 
to anyone else, hey, I came up with this little thing and I wrote it down. I was feeling this way or I thought this. It's interesting, the idea of a journal, it's so private. Yeah. And making art in private says something about the sensitivity of an artist. And that to me is like the purest art of all, right? The, the stuff that we may never see. Probably 100%. the greatest art you make, we might never see, right? Well, and I think that's also, you know, like, <clears throat> I think a lot of the bands I grew up loving when I was a kid, you know, just even the, even the, uh, I just, I remember being that, that kind of uh, music fan that would just, you know, I'd take like the CD insert, like the lyric insert, yeah. and I would just like obsessively like go over them and over them and over them. I was always such a lyric fan. Yeah. Because um, I was always so fascinated by like what could this be and i loved like you know like reading like band uh bios and stuff because i was like i love learning about what these songs are about or like a <clears> letter <throat> in like, the back writing oh the my god in the yeah back. and like so i was always obsessed with that stuff and i think also the fact that we didn't have as much you know direct access through like you know social media or the internet to like sort of who these people are we only had these glimpses into who they are really through their art uh, and maybe once in a while through like a photo in a magazine or something, you know, it wasn't yeah. like you could just go online and see like pretty much everything about them. Um, and maybe that's also subconsciously why I wanted to not give as much away because I grew up really enjoying that. And I was such a fan of that. Um, not getting everything and not being spoon fed the entire story, like having also a part of it in your, yourself. I mean, it's like you said, um, I didn't set out to be important to people as funny as that sounds it just like it wasn't really on my it wasn't on my mind obviously I never in a million years would have been considered to have been like a gay icon or a fashion you know like all any, the things you are <clears throat> well the things people call me for sure yeah. um I never in a million years even had that on my mind I mean it's another sort of emotional thing for me when I think about it now is, um, you know, growing up when I played in punk bands and I was I was a drummer, I was always openly gay. And many, many times, whether or not I was really the only gay person there, I'm sure I wasn't, but I was really a lot of times in those spaces, I was the only openly gay guy in a lot of those spaces, a lot yeah. of those tours, you know, a lot of those venues. And like, I definitely felt, you know, sort of alienated and ostracized even mm. within the alternative in a, in a community that was already supposed to be supposed like to be that weirdos and freaks and whatever yeah. i even felt beyond that i felt even more ostracized because i didn't really know any other gay guys that were into that kind of music and i was like doing these diy tours with all all my friends are straight boys like or, or or girls you know um and so it's funny to then now fast forward like you know 15 years later or whatever it is to be something for to be sort of a, like a figure for a lot of people who write me, you know, very beautiful messages and notes and stuff saying, you know, I feel ostracized within the country's world as a trans person or as a queer person or a gay person or whatever. Yeah. Thank you for being someone I can look up to and feel represented by. It's like such a lovely full circle thing because, you know, whether or not it was that much on my mind, I really would have loved that. And also, I never really set out to fix that, but in a weird way, I have become that for people. So it's definitely like a responsibility that I feel very, very, yeah, like I feel like emotional talking about it right now, just because it's like, you know, you hear stories from people that just, I mean, so much to them. And it, that is like, so what could be better than that, you know? I always try to think about what it would feel like to, to be alone in something. 
you know the tough thing is is when when we talk about these places that are supposed to be inclusive right the idea of it everyone would in that like scene would say yeah we are but the actual day-to-day life and living and interacting with one another it's not as black and white and, and and inclusive or not inclusive as like i think the idea of it that we all agree on is is there and but now i will say at the time you came up it was different 100% i think it's changed a lot it's changed a lot and we've and i would say like we've made progress so i don't want to like diminish me neither 100 i'm talking like you know like yeah like but, 10 15 years ago yeah so 15 years ago even 10 years ago i know it and and you lived it now i don't know what it feels like to be alone in something like that i don't know what it feels like to be gay i don't know what it feels like to have that experience especially i think about this you know when you're a kid and you're growing up there's so much you're up against already it's so confusing being a, just a, a a teenager and coming into that i watch my kids as they're going into their teens and life is just confusing and you're all For kinds sure. of feelings you're like mad at the world this minute you're mad at your parents that minute and i i just try to step back and go like hey i'm just here but also like let you do your thing yeah. and, um but to imagine how it would feel to have to figure out who you are make sense of the world and then find your place in the social setting forget about music just in life do you think that like when you came into music was that a part of of your experience with coming out your experience with figuring yourself out like how was music playing into your life at that time when you were dealing with just being in a social setting i'm sure at school and you know we're just trying to fit in as as kids i i always wonder what that experience is like i always wonder what that feels like to figure that out while you're also just like dealing with at the time right even now though i would say even though we've and I, that's the thing is i don't want to diminish what progress we've made but it's still hard oh my god of course i mean you know it's it's a uh, i think we've made progress in certain <clears throat> uh areas and places and you know but i mean there's still kids having really you know awful you know in some cases life-threatening experiences in, yes in in their homes i mean that's the thing that's kind of crazy about being you know like queer or trans or something like in some cases your first bullies are your family you know right. which is you, like the craziest thing ever you've got to interface and interact with and figure out your relationship with your family and then your social setting and then the world and this is on top of the things we're talking about which just every kid goes through right? and who am i that moment so for me i was really lucky um i have like the most accepting chill both very artistic parents my father is a sound engineer he um in the 70s he was one of the first touring sound engineers oh wow so he used to tour with a bunch of bands like uh the suite and Susie quattro and like all these bands in england uh he would do a lot of like glam rock tours mm. so my father was around like you know free thinking alternative like hippie people his right. whole life right mm -hmm. my mother grew up um you know very unique family her mother was basically raised like an orphan had to like get a uh a job when she was very young uh no no uh no she was illiterate no schooling so my mother grew up in south africa in like a mixed environment like you know mixed white and black which mm. is very rare in apartheid um so just very free-thinking parents and i have i had i have two older brothers who are both straight um and 
when I was growing up, I didn't even know, but my parents were really conditioning my brothers, especially to be like, just so you know, like Orville's no different than you. Like you got, he's, you got to take care of him. Like kind of knowing before I even. Before you even had, yeah. yeah before and like, you knew. I can remember them talking to me about. That's you know, sweet. Just kind of like, like not pushing me one way or the other, but I think they could tell. Right. Um, but they kind of just like left the door open. I like to say like, mm -hmm. they, they would be like, you know, any girls or boys. And I remember being like, what? So <laughs> what are they talking they would about? See, like, but they yeah. kind of just let it be what it was going to be, uh, which is incredibly rare. I'm very grateful for it. But the thing that really fucked me up about it is like I had this amazing um, support system at home with these people, my family, who just accepted me for whatever I was going to be. And I felt mm. so safe and so happy. And then I would go to school, for instance, and I was so ostracized and I felt so alone and I didn't really have any friends when I was a little kid you know and so I would have these awful days at school and I hated school since from like day one I hated school my whole life uh which probably explains why I never went to college <laughs> but um yeah <clears throat> but I would come home from school and I would be so depressed and uh my brothers wouldn't be home yet and they were both huge alternative music fans yeah and so I would go into their bedrooms and I would borrow their cds and I was like you know, 12 years old or maybe 11 or 10 even, listening to like Nirvana, Metallica, yeah. Black Sabbath, like just a Marilyn Manson, like just this amazing array of like mostly alternative music. And that started uh, smashing pumpkins. Like that started to become like really my safe space as I would come home from school and just listen to music. And I was so young with a lot of it, but it made me feel safe and expressive. Um, and so then I started writing music, just playing around. I had like a Casio keyboard. Uh, I had my dad's acoustic guitar. Like since I was very little, I've always been playing guitar, writing songs, things like that. Uh, and singing, of course. Uh, so that just became my natural sort of like safe place to play music in my bedroom, as I feel like so many musicians, that is sort of the, that's the trajectory. How, that's right? how we start. And that's still to this day, my favorite way to write music is to play on my, literally my father's acoustic guitar that I used to play when I was like 12 years old. I sit on my bed and like play music on that guitar. Like I'm just a kid in my bedroom and that's how I actually write almost all my music. I really love that idea of that. I felt the same way. I was probably more of an outsider in my, in my mind, right? Like, um, but I re music for me was, it soothed all that anger and pain. I remember just being so angry at life. And, and a lot of it was just my family situation because my parents were really struggling and it was just hard and, and you know, lack of, lack of resources and money and all that um, made it tough. But I remember just listening to records and it soothed that deep, anger and pain and it was i didn't feel confused when i was listening to music 100 and that was it i was really feeling so confused at school i was so confused couldn't yeah. keep up well and i think it's too like <clears throat> when you're you know like uh like dolly parton famously says it's hard to be a diamond in a rhinestone world you know what yeah I mean? like i think when you're a unique person uh and you're a creative person and that usually means you're also a very sensitive person i think most sort of binary structures in this world, school, uh, the way that the school system is just kind of laid out in a curriculum and, you know, et cetera, all those kinds of things. I think, unfortunately, they don't cater to individuality. They, they, they have to sort of cater with broad strokes. And I think if you're someone that's like 
unique. It's it's really hard to find your place in that. Yeah. You know? And I think that's why kind of joining an alternative community makes sense for a lot of kids like us because <clears throat> and especially the kind of music why it sounds the way it does. Like when I when I figured out I wanted to be a drummer in punk bands, I was like the craziest drummer because I just wanted to get so much out you know yeah. and it felt so good just to be like thrashing on the drums thank god for music i yeah. and you know i always have so much empathy and sympathy for um it's probably why i'm not as articulate about it as i'd like to be because i'm so careful because uh, to imagine what a gay kid has to go through in that time in their life it's got to be the hardest time in my like all my friends, uh, you know, all my friends who are gay, who I who I I always think about like what and I've been able to talk to a few of them and it's nice because I feel so concerned. Right. And and then also so proud of them where we're at now. I do feel like it is a different time than 20 years ago. The 90s I, I were hope different. So. I really think and I, I think and I hope I so. Hope so. Um, I know that like there's always going to be like work to do and there's always going to be uh, hate in the world and that I, I don't think we'll ever be able to er eradicate all hate. So I do. I, we're always going to have to deal with hate. But um, I always feel like sympathy for what you had to go through as a kid. But you know, that kind of um, exactly you saying that right there, I mean... That's, I think, a very important thing to, to talk about a little bit is actually on this topic is that I think the fact that I had my brothers who were always my best friends yeah. um, and had my back as, you know, the, the term ally wasn't a thing back then, but right. like the most allied people you could imagine. Yeah. Um, I was also surrounded by bandmates, my friends who were skaters, like whatever, who treated me no different than anybody yeah, of else. Course, yeah. And like allyship, right? And like made me feel like it didn't matter. And I wasn't different. I was just yeah. one of them. Um, <clears throat> and I think there's, you know, there's a really beautiful book I love uh, called Close to the Knives by this Polish artist in, in New York in the uh, I bet late Nicole's 70s. read it. And it's like, I, I, I can't pronounce his name. It's a crazy name. I don't embarrass myself. But the book's called Close to the Knives. He's got a crazy Polish name. Very famous visual artist, but he wrote this crazy book. Um, and one of the things that I found really um, hit me when I was reading it, and I would love for, like, you know, non-queer people out there just to consider this, because I think it will bring a bit of empathy to mm. just gay experiences. That, yeah. you know, moments of growing up that are sort of like milestones for anybody uh your first crush your first kiss your first dance whatever whatever you want to call it yeah all those moments all those like moments that kind of build your sexual psyche your kind of and your, your, your confidence exactly yeah those are all moments of trauma for queer people Man. they're all moments of fear guilt i never thought about that so my first crush was someone that i was so 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 afraid that he would ever know Wow. Because I was so scared of what the reaction would be. And so it's like, we do kind of intrinsically grow up a bit differently in that way. And I think just that little understanding will help with a little bit of empathy of kind of, it, it is hard to grow up queer in any way, I think. Um, and not that it's not hard for anyone, but those moments are hard because we have to spend our whole lives reprogramming that trauma and trying to make that into a, find those moments of joy as adults when really we, di we didn't develop them at an age that we should have. It's crazy for me to think about, and it's the part of 
of me in my relationship to all my friends who are gay. Uh, and it's the part of me that hurts is it's not now. I know we have tons of stuff now when you start rolling in politics and everything. To me, I always separate all that out because that's like people on social media and water cooler arguing about some bullshit. But in real life, when we're all sitting at a dinner table and being human beings together, like I feel like I'm so proud of my friends that have come through life yeah, and ended up being able to be happy and live their life, right? Well, that's like for me now, it's like, and and once again, just to preface, like this this isn't everyone's experience, obviously, right? right? I'm everyone's sure, different, yeah. But like, that's why for a lot of like my, my trans friends, you know, like I have so much just insane respect for my friends that are like openly living their lives as trans people, yeah. um, at, loud advocates for it. Yep. Um, especially in a climate where, you know, it's, it's literally, you know, uh, basically um, <laughs> on the verge of like becoming illegal to be transgender, you know? Yeah. It's like, I just, I, I, I applaud anybody that has the courage and the just joy to live as themselves in the face of so much adversity. I just think that's like the most punk, amazing, cool thing that I could never do anything but like root for and celebrate, you know? Like, I yeah. don't even know if I'd have like enough courage for that. Like, that's crazy, you know? Uh, you know what? I appreciate um, the the struggle because I don't have that struggle, and that's how that's how I always think. I always think like when people meet me on the road, strangers and yeah. people that I know, I don't want to make their journey harder. No, I want to make their journey easier as they relate to me, and that's how I look at the world at my age. I I go out into the world and interact with all different kinds of people. And I've been so blessed to have this like dynamic life doing all these different things. And I I think about who do I want to be every day in the world um, to everyone. And what I don't want to be is someone who made their, their life harder and made their journey harder. And I want to be an encourager of people, but I'm not you. And what you actually represent, and it makes sense you come from punk music. And we can talk about that because when we met, you were like a, a punk kid. <laughs> yeah. But what you're doing is extremely punk in its in its ethos and its and in its nature. Um, but also what you're doing is you could say it's dangerous, you could say it's bold, it's confronting the world in a style with style. There's a gracefulness to how you move. If, if anyone ever gets to know you, the way you move through the world, there's a lot of class and grace to it and elegance to it in your own way and artistic. Uh, it, it's really interesting. So I've always been interested. And when I hear your records, I hear it all bled through there. But then watching you move through the world and watching how you treat people, you are representing something that is saying it without saying it and saying it. And I think it's just, it's great, it's bold. Yeah, thanks. Um, <clears throat> I just, and yeah, I think maybe it is that punk spirit, of course. Totally punk, dude. Uh, I, I also happen to, th I, I feel like country is punk, or at least it, it, it used to be the spirit of it, it definitely was, you know? But yeah, it's, <clears throat> I, you know, I, I definitely try to make my spaces feel inclusive of literally everybody. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that includes maybe people that haven't, you know, maybe people that aren't. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the majority of my fans are not LGBTQ people. You know yeah. what I mean? I have a ton, of course, but um, I have a ton of like true blue country fans that yep. live in like red states. And I mean, we've played country festivals where there's been times where, if I'm being honest, you know, I'm the only gay person in my band. <clears throat> and, uh, uh, you know, we've seen like the crowd and maybe upon my own judgments, uh, I'm like, oh shit, like, I really hope I'm not going to like go out there and get like sh shot or something. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I know that sounds really dramatic, but for I real. I mean, it like, sounds dramatic, but actually in the world we live in, it's not actually dramatic. And it's especially since, you know, we, we tour in a time where like during all of the drag band stuff, like, you know, I decided to adamantly... Of course, me being me decided, well, we're going to bring a drag queen on tour with us and yeah. she's going to come out <laughs> in the middle of our set and no of one's going to tell us not to. And she's going to have a whole number and we're going to leave the stage and we're going to force people to watch a drag queen. Yeah. Um, but like doing that. Which in, is super punk. <laughs> right. But I'm also like getting older and I'm like, man, do I want to get shot? <laughs> like, yeah. But, you know, also I will say the thing is like the kind of beautiful thing that I've learned doing that stuff and, and, and leaving room for everybody and leaving room for people to learn and grow and, 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 and maybe like learn something new as well is, uh, we play a lot of these festivals that are country festivals and I'm, my God, absolutely the only queer person on the bill, 100%. And maybe one of the few queer people even on site, but, um, by the end of it, I've, I've had so many people who maybe on a judgmental first glance, I would think would not be into what I was doing. And by the end of my set, they're like dancing. I can see that they're in like the merch lineup. They're like standing next to like someone that I can imagine they've probably never shared a conversation with that that's is it. so different than them. And like, you know, to me, that's the environment I like to create. I try to be as judgment free as possible. Um, and sometimes I'm reminded by even my band who are all straight, all heterosexual, mostly men. I remember, um, you know, I, Lady Gaga asked me to do a cover of Born This Way for the anniversary album like a few years ago. Um, and so we were playing that as our encore for this one tour. Uh, and we were at this really, I think we were in like, we might, I think we might have been in Wyoming or something. We are at this like really very, very, very country festival, county fair style right. <laughs> vibe. Um and it was like going well and I was like, okay. And then we were coming, we were going to go do our encore and I was like, Hey, what should we play? And the whole, everyone's like, well, born this way. And I was like, guys, I don't know. Like, I feel like we're pushing it about this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, maybe this isn't the place to do that one. And I remember my guitarist Duncan, he was like, this is exactly the place to do that one. And like, he was right. Cause you know, we could look at on the audience and you see pockets of people like, you know, maybe visibly transgendered people or whatever who have like actually come out to this festival who are risking way more than me by walking through this crowd all day long, probably dealing with God knows what, and they're there. So it's like, I owe it to them and also all these people that I'm, I'm maybe making a judgment about to be included in something that maybe is going to expand them a little bit. So then we would do it and they're right. That is the place to do it. You know? Yeah, I agree. What I think becomes hate, right? And it's fully developed form is first not understanding something and not having a relationship 100%. with it. And then being with a group of people that all don't understand something and don't have a relationship with it. And then 
I think it's something like they're confronted with it and maybe they're confirmed in a way like, yeah, like I think it's the the third part of that I feel like is almost like the confirmation of like, if I went on that stage and I said like, anyone who disagrees with how I feel like, fuck you. You're wrong. And then that's just going to confirm them like, okay, great. Like now we are, we're different. We're enemies. Like this is how it is. And you might actually be saying the truth. 1000%. But what who if, am I teaching though? Yeah. And what if they don't know, what if they're actually just, an, they have an undeveloped perspective? Dude, we all are, we all grow up in, you know, nobody is born racist, homophobic, transphobic. Right. Like none of us are born like that. Right. right. We are, we Little are, kids all play together. Dude, like we are conditioned by whatever it might be. Yeah. Our families, our environment, fears, intolerance, whatever. We are indoctrinated, conditioned, and made to be that believe those things, right? And yeah, I think you can change those beliefs. I know you can, 100%. Like I said, I've made judgments about some of those people on the other side of my side yeah. at times that have just been actually not fair. And I've like, after the fact, it, I'm not joking. It, this literally happened at your show on Saturday. I was backstage. I was yeah. like just joking with my manager about it. And there were these three very straight guys. I was standing waiting to get a beer <laughs> yeah. in my mask and whatever. Yeah. And there's these three very straight kind of like dudes. And they're like sort of taking pictures and talking to each other and kind of like laughing. And like my back immediately goes like up because I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. Who the fuck? What the fuck yeah, are they looking that's at? That's me like, too. Right. So I'm, I'm like, like, I'm immediately like kind of doing? like, oh my God, like yeah. what the fuck? And I'm yeah. like, I'm like getting ready to be like offended. Well, I'm not even, I'm already offended. The outcast kid, punk uh, kid Yeah, like I'm, I'm almost on the verge of going over to be like, yeah, can I fucking help you or yeah. whatever? And I'm not joking. I, I get my beer. I turn around and one of them's on top of me, literally. And they go, hey, are you Orville Peck? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, oh, we're from Madrid. We work for Live Nation, but like, we're such fans. Can we take a picture? And I was just like, oh my God. I'm like, you know what? I, I'm such a, like. I swear <laughs> I had this conversation with my therapist, <laughs> like, right? I had the same conversation with my therapist. I used to walk around and someone would be staring at me and I'd be like, what are you looking at? And he would say, well, Number one, you're in good Charlotte and they, they might like your band. <laughs> yeah. Number two, you're like fully tattooed, yeah. wearing all black, your hair is colored red. Like they're looking at how interesting you look, likely just looking at the whole show and going like, huh, that's interesting. I wonder what he does, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, when people are in thought, they can sometimes look a little concerned or serious. Of course. And he's like, they're likely just interested in you and what you're choosing to see the world as either the world is a place with no opportunity and no one likes me or the the world is a place where full of opportunities and I'll meet lots of friends, right? Yeah. So I'm either looking for problems and enemies or opportunities and friends. 100%. And it's, and it's a perspective. I had to learn that. Yeah. So that when someone's staring at me now, I'll say, hi. Yeah. How's it going? And usually they're like, are you that guy <laughs> from the band? Oh my God, I'll listen to your song. So Whatever. Crazy. So it's funny how, but the punk kid that didn't fit in. Ah, I know. It's, that so, got hard bullied, to, it's so hard to, to, to like soothe that kid. It's sometimes. the muscle memory, man. It's the first experiences we had. And if you think about it, you're in school, you're going through this time, you're figuring yourself out, you're all. You're not fitting in your first hundred experiences, which probably set you up for the rest are 
kids bullying you and making fun of you're the weird kid right yeah and that set us up to go into the world to look at it as this place where everyone is looking at us like and they're like no that's orville peck he's he's a star and i don't know how i can go over there and say hi how should we do it oh well i'm just gonna sneak a picture oh okay and then you get the courage to go up and say hey i'll be honest with you i was nervous around you for the first year i knew you (laughs) that's crazy it's true because you're you're you have a you have a, a a presence like all stars all icons man i'm telling you everyone i know that's just iconic and i know so many people you're so sweet in these different fields movies uh tv uh music yeah, art course. fashion icons they have a presence yeah your breath is taken away if you you know the first few times you're around them and i've just gotten comfortable with that because I've been lucky enough now for 20 some years to be around so many different artists and iconic people and I appreciate it. And most of the time for the first 10 times, if I'm around someone that's like so-and-so or that superstar, they're friends with that person that I know really well or whatever, I I don't even try to connect with them. Yeah, I just appreciate their presence in the room for sure. and go, oh man, I was around him the other day. He's he's iconic. Yeah. Me and Benj always talk like, we'll share, you know? Yeah. And we can be honest. And I can say, oh, I was around him. He was so cool. He's so iconic. But he's like, did you talk to him? I'm like, nah, I couldn't do it. And like, I've just gotten comfortable in that relationship. And then eventually you may end up becoming friends or you may always just be an admirer of theirs. And you know what? I kind of think that's okay. Yeah. And actually, <clears throat> I think... You know, when you grow up a fan of yeah. things, of people and these people, right? I, it's so funny. I, I, I've, I've been obsessed with Grace Jones pretty much my entire life in like almost a sort of like beautiful mind way where I think <laughs> like maybe that's like something to look into. Like I'm, yeah. I just, I love Grace Jones, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually played with her at WeHo Pride this year. Like oh, I cool. opened right before her. Um, How was that? Amazing. Like, it, I mean, she is like a goddess. I, I don't think she's from this planet really, you know? But I remember the 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 promoter or someone of the show at one point after I'd play, I, or was it before? Anyway, they said, um, uh, would you like to meet Grace? Like we can obviously organize that. And I just, I've thought about some of the people I've been really disappointed in meeting. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's kind of too. like crushed me, you know? Yeah. And like, I thought about it for a second and I was about to say like, oh my God, of course. Like, and then I literally just went, you know what? I don't think, I don't think I do want to meet her. I'm okay. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah. Cause you know, I, I think I just want to remain a fan. I love her too much. Yeah. Like if I had a bad experience, I think I would be so sad. And it's like, I just think it's okay to like also remain a fan of things. I think it's important actually. Yeah. Um, that I never had meet Grace Jones and I can always just be like in awe and wonderment of her. Like, I think that's cool, you know? So I, did, I said yeah. no, but I didn't get to meet her, which is great. Yeah. Um, Cause who knows how that would have went. It's funny when we met. <laughs> the first time. The first time, how old were you? <laughs> I think I was 14. It's so funny, <laughs> I swear to God. It's this is like the most full circle moment it's of like crazy. literally I think anybody I know in this industry for real. We met you were just like a punk kid. I was skipping school. Skipping school. We were in <laughs> Vancouver making a record and we were making um I want to say car maybe it was cardiology. Was it 2009? 
or was it 2005? Five. Five. Okay, so we so were making. So I was I was 15 or something. Okay, yeah. So we were making um um or 2006, five somewhere six, around there, yeah. yeah. So we were making Good Morning Revival. Okay, yeah. And I had gotten dental surgery. Yep. And I was I couldn't eat anything hard, and I was sitting in. Uh, outside Starbucks, maybe. And you were sitting outside a mall called Pacific Center yep. in Vancouver because I went to high school in Vancouver. Yep. My friend Andrea and I, who was the became the singer of my punk band that I was in forever. Yeah. We were skipping school and we were at the mall, as you do, like go to the mall and just like fuck around or whatever. <clears throat> and we walk out and we were like, we were like, that is one of the brothers from Good Charlotte. And we're like, what the. We're like, you were completely alone. Yeah. There was no one in sight. You were sitting on a bench outside a mall yeah. and eating a muffin. I'll never forget. You were eating a blueberry muffin. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like. And I remember that. We were like, what? I remembered fuck? meeting you guys. You didn't even have like, there was no one else with you. No, I was just alone. And I, and I think this was like, you, you didn't have a phone. Like, we, no one had pho like iPhones. Or like, no. We were just sitting there eating a muffin. And me and Andrea walked over and we were just like, hey, uh, are you in good Charlotte? And you're like, yeah. And we were like, oh, cool. Can we just like talk with you? And you were like, yeah, yeah have a seat. And we just like you sat, sat down and, and we just like chatted with you. And we were like, okay. Like we just sat and talked to you for like half an hour. And then we were like, okay, cool, man. Like lovely to meet you. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that because I had this terrible, I had terrible teeth, like dental problems <clears throat> and was growing up without dental care and all kinds and just hereditary. And so I remember I was in so much pain and I went and got a, a root canal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, you were telling us. And um, yeah, I was telling you guys all about it. <laughs> uh, listen, kids, this is dental hygiene 101. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I remember I was so relieved because the pain was gone. And I, but I, and I was so hungry because I couldn't eat. You were trying to eat something soft. And I had to eat something that would like fall apart yeah. in my mouth and soft. And oh. so the best thing I could think of was like a blueberry muffin. <laughs> so I was sitting there alone, like in relief with these two like punk kids. <laughs> no, it's, it's genuinely like, I think one of the purest little like memories I have. Funny. And it's so full circle that we're friends now. Cause I yeah. mean, like how, I mean, that's ridiculous. Like It's crazy. Yeah. And all these years later. Yeah. That's like, that's like, it's like. Probably even close to 20 years ago. But it reinforces my idea around like nothing happens by accident. 1000%. Like I really do. Like if there was any part of me, um, you know, the, the, the spiritual side of my life, um, I always think there, there, there's this like master plan we can't see and that we can't understand. But that if you, if you listen to the little things that you, where, you know those moments in your in life where you're like, did I just think that? Did I just notice that? Did I just? Why did that person strike me? Yeah. Why would I remember? Right, like such a fleeting that. interaction. Yes, like, was that root canal connected to that meeting? I know how bizarre. And what part of all of this is connected? And that's how why I I never question. I was just having this conversation with my son. I never question any experience I'm having. Um, and I used to, and I had to, to to relearn how to look at opportunity. Everything that we do, every challenge, every every time something th th go, we think it goes wrong. Well, and that's because for so many times it has, and that's the fear of a of that, right? But like, it's an opportunity. It's life's great design, right? And yeah. whatever your understanding of God is, 
it's the design that nothing is is wrong and that every little moment challenge good bad is some opportunity that life is giving us to develop some muscle we don't have or get better at something or discover a talent and so problem solving in the challenging parts is part of the the exercise of development that never stops yeah and so whether you know you could be frustrated with a a, a situation in your career with this or that the scared kid in us is going to say oh they're against me and this isn't working out and i'm afraid that's where i go first but what i've learned to do is knock against that and go no i'll I, and as crazy as it sounds i'll have that conversation with myself yeah and recognize that young scared outcast kid who nothing was going his way it felt like for 18 years and i'll i'll check in with that part of me and go hey look it's all worked out but that empathy that you have for yourself in that way and everyone has to should and we need to work to for ourselves i think that's why you and benj are so good at fostering and caring for like younger and other artists you know what i mean because like i mean you and benji you're the first people really when i you know i've been I've been touring for 17 years, but I've only really been in like the kind of this level of the music industry for like four or five years or something, right? When I was first coming up into this level of like major labels and yep. managers and yeah. lawyers and all that shit. <clears throat> I mean, you guys literally just reached out to me immediately. Like we're just like anything you ever need. You know, we were there and we didn't really have many people like telling us how to do it or like yeah. what to do. And you guys are just like anything you ever need advice on anything, whatever. I mean, you guys literally were like the first people to just really like take me under their wing and help me with like this industry. And I'll always be grateful for that. You know what I mean? But, you know? but I think that's because you have that empathy for yourself and like you guys had been through it the hard way. Um, and so you don't want to see people you care about going through that same thing, right? Yeah, I think if we can be the guys we wish we would have met. A hundred percent. And I think about that a lot in everything that I do in life, period. Like if I can be the dad I wish I wish I would have had, if I could be the the partner I wish I, I had. You yeah. know, it's like we we in relationships too, I always think about like we always think about what we deserve. I think we have to be the person we think we deserve for the other person. You know? Yeah, like we, we we love how we would like to be loved, right? Yeah, and I think that's how we have to be as friends. And I think we have to try to be that way at work too. And and I think we tend to gravitate towards, I think, true artists in the sense of our perspective, yeah. our understanding and our relationship to art. And I think what true artists get creamed the worst. They get smashed. Oh, and And fully, and like, that's the thing I've really noticed. <clears throat> they get hurt, dude. They get hurt, and they and they get they get uh, like ripped off the most. They get like they inspire all of this other stuff. They yeah. get no credit. They never get their flowers. They like, get crushed. It's dude. It's crazy. And then they yeah. and then it's really bad. Yeah. So some of them turn to medicating this pain from getting crushed under this business, finding the balance of making the art, and then after we make the art, figuring out the commerce is a a process and it, it's an art in itself and i think if we can figure that out if we can put the art first make the art and then figure out the commerce and not relate the metrics of the commerce to the value of the art yeah because some of the art won't be appreciated for years 100 
actually, and I think, in fact, I think most really good art, it's it's really hard for it to be appreciated on a main on a on a, on a big scale in the moment. It just yeah. can't be. I mean, look at visual art. Look at cinema. Look at anything. I mean, country music. Funnily enough, is like the perfect example of that. Like. So much of country music at the time it was made was never appreciated. Willie Nelson, The Outlaws, everyone yep. thought they were nuts. Like, you know, in retrospect, things that are really meaningful, I think, have more potency and power. And a lot of like, you know, maybe the the more uh, less referenced crowd can look back and go, oh, now I get it. Now I see it. But in the moment, it was like hard to connect to. It was too weird or too out there, you know. That's art. Yeah, for sure. I also just think we love artists and to help an artist believe in themselves because i also see that in them that i had was i just didn't think i was valuable for so long and then i think i spent my 30s really develop really taking the time to work on myself go in and do the work and excavate and face a lot of painful stuff I'm still doing it but i got through the the, the hard part yeah. And 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 now I think I have a great relationship with that work, so I'm super comfortable doing it. Um and I think when we see artists who haven't started that work yet and they're just raw, they're making this incredible art and and I also I see this with artists sometimes. It's like they're afraid if the pain goes away, they won't make good art. Oh my god, 100%. And I think that's a lie. And that's I think with like you find people falling into so many traps with like substance abuse, like all kinds totally. of stuff like Totally. It's it's the cautionary tale, right? Yeah, for sure. And if we can promote artists, you know, really healing, because they're healing all these other people. But they're not healing themselves a lot of times. For sure. And then I think if an artist understands, and that's the first thing we say to, let's say we, we meet an artist like you and we're like, hey, listen, we can help you. Um, but let's be clear, you are going to make it on the strength of yourself not because you met us or not because you're working with that manager or that label or that agent. Certainly you're, you assemble a great team. You can have a really great operation and, and that absolutely leads to success. And, and, but it's the version of success you build because you're an artist that will have success if you make art and it'll be your own success. Now, what version of that do you want? And then that's how you thoughtfully put together your team and you start to fit the pieces together and everybody is different. Yeah. And that's what artists need to understand is that like, don't get sold the dream from someone else. Yeah, have, have your dream. And keep that pure. I mean, I think I always think back to like <clears throat> my punk days when like, you know, back then success to me when I was like 18 years old, touring in a minivan with my drums on my lap, driving for like 10 to 13 hours a day to play that night. Sometimes to like Some the sound engineer, yeah. the promoter, and two people. Yeah. N never mind, make money, lose money. Oh yeah. Sleep on someone's hardwood floor, wake up and do it all again. When I was eighteen, that was success. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't tell me it wasn't. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah, like I think keeping that purity of like, is that my idea of success now? Of course not. <laughs> you know, it's well, changed. You grow. Yeah. But it is good it to evolves. remember. Yeah. It evolves. Of course. But that's the. That's like the sapling stage. The tree is just just sprouting out of the ground, you know, and and now it's an apple tree. Yeah. And I always tell people that too is like an apple tree. Well, that takes five years to 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 get apples, and then you never know how many branches are going to be on that tree, how many apples are going to be on that tree. But you've got to protect it, nurture it, and um, 
that's kind of like what we do. We grow and, and our, our careers take different shapes and forms and they, they roll out in this kind of, I think a lot of times better than we could have imagined. Oh God. I mean, in my case, I think the one thing I wanted to do was just put out a, a record. I think yeah. everything after that's been like a bonus pretty much. You've killed it. Thank you. Thanks, Joel. Is I mean, there anyone in country music that you feel like has really taken you under their wing or shepherded you or showed you, especially kind of showed you love that you really admire? Yeah, Tanya Tucker. Wow. Um, which is amazing to say. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I have loved Tanya Tucker my whole life. I mean, Tanya was nominated for a Grammy when she was 13 for Delta Dawn, wow. which was over 50 years ago. Yeah. And she finally won her Grammy at 2020, which is the first Grammys I went to. So I got to see her win her Grammy. Crazy. Which was literally 50 years after she was first nominated. Did you get nominated? No. Okay. I no. haven't either. So yeah. you're in the club with me. <laughs> no, I'm not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, not yet. No, not yet. Yeah. But, um, you will. But yeah, Tanya Tucker, she, um, it's, 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 it's really amazing to have somebody who has been in this industry for so long and been through it all. And when I mean all with Tanya Tucker, you know, she's not shy about her demons and everything she's been through. Yeah. Um, I respect her so incredibly much. And the fact that, you know, she'll send me videos of like her and her band listening to my album, like pre-show before she's about to go on her show or like, yeah. you know, she brought me out at Stagecoach <clears throat> to sing Delta Dawn with her at the 50 year anniversary. She's an incredible legend and she's just been so supportive of me. Shania Twain. Very early on, Shania, I heard Shania was a fan of mine and I thought it was a lie. And then uh, I wrote a song for her and I, and I met her at the Grammys and we, she, we recorded it at her ranch, like did everything. She's like, oh, it took, she's taking me out to Vegas when she did her residency. Like Shania has been amazing. Willie Nelson, big wow. fan. Um, he's, you know, he, he's my favorite of all time. I mean, the fact that I can even like say that I've met and know Willie and that he's a fan of mine. I've I never mean, met him. He seems like such a kind dude, soul. I can't really discuss a specific story that I wish I could just for yeah. some reason. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he is cooler and more of like a more of the person you want him to be than he could you could ever imagine. Like he's so just the real deal. Yeah. Of his beliefs and his what he believes in and what he stands for. Yeah, a lot of the sort of old crowd are 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 big fans. Elton John, um, you know, which is also crazy that I, I email with Elton John. That's, That's like crazy. Insane to me. That's crazy. Um, and, you know, the fan, the fact that these people are not just like, you know, people I consider friends, but also like fans by their omission, like is just insane to me. To you, I'm sure the experience is insane um, to that kid sitting on a bench, you know, when he's 15 talking to the guy from Good Charlotte, you know, but yeah. The guy who's sitting here as your fan, it just makes sense to me. But I think there's something about like artists and icons that like you just, you see your fellow, you see your peers across the room and real recognizes real as they say. A hundred percent. Yeah. But that's all like, you know, like it was so nice being at your, your guys compound for when we were young. Cause like just looking around at all the different people and all your families and just like, Everybody back there, I, I just kept saying to, I think both you and Benj, I was like, it's such a testament of you guys, like who you have around you as well, right? Like, yeah. um, there's this beautiful saying in South Africa that's sort of like a, 
it's like a concept kind of and it's called ubuntu and it, it literally means like um i am because you are and it means that like any success like i have is attributed to it's also a success of yours it's a success of everyone else in my life because we are made up of who we surround ourselves with 100 percent. um and i just think it's like a beautiful like show of ubuntu like being back there with you and your compound because it's like everybody's just so wonderful and you're like well that makes sense you know what i mean like i definitely agree i think um we're really blessed. We have, uh, for me, those opportunities when everyone can get together. And, you know, we were doing the first show we played in five years, yeah. you know, that big show. And we just looked at it as, a, as a, an excuse to, um, we did want to play. We had been talking about it for like the last year. Like, where should we, where should we come back out and play? Mm -hmm. And we were waiting for the right opportunity. And then that one came and we were like, this feels right. So let's go, let's make it a big, Let's make it a big thing. Let's invite all of our friends and family, anyone that wants to come. And everyone there was important to us. And it felt like Thanksgiving to me. Yeah, it was really special. It was it was so cool to watch. It was. And I think we had like 150 guests across two, <laughs> day, two days. And um, it did feel like a holiday, you yeah. know? One of the through lines, I think, you know, all those people, all the band's parents and their wives and kids to other artists, to industry people, to not industry people. Um, the through line I would say is I notice about all of them is like everyone there uh, that I know, I know them to be like kind people, good manners. They treat people well. And I, I'd say that about all my friends, you included. Um, I notice how they treat other people when I'm around. I, yeah. Like whether it's someone's friend or someone working there or it, it doesn't matter. I notice there's this through line of, of well-mannered people who are kind. Yeah. And that's what I, I love to see that because I always tell my kids, the number one thing we have that doesn't cost us anything is our manners and our reputation. And so we can always say please and thank you. It's free. We can always uh, show appreciation to someone who who who's working somewhere or sure. someone we're interacting with. And it's gotten me so far in life. Please and thank you have gotten me further than anything else. Oh my I god! Swear. Yeah. Work ethic is work ethic. You got to have that. But how you do it? Do it if you if you work with some joy, and even in moments if you're anxious. And you have a moment and it gets edgy and you snap on someone, you can always go back and make a repair and go, Hey, sorry about that. I'm nervous as hell. Yeah. And and it, you, and that goes such a long and way you get too. Closer. hundred like, percent. In the world we live in today, we don't give each other enough of I don't feel like we give each other enough space to come back and say, Yo, I was, I'm sorry, I was wrong about that, or the yeah. way I talked, I was angry, or I was to be honest with you, I'm just super anxious. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and I think that we've made that a practice that has it always helps man well i think it's just <clears throat> vulnerability authenticity empathy kindness i mean it's you gotta have those things you know what's next for you um so what's the plan i have my rodeo sh uh coming up and this year that's three shows uh three days at pioneer town in joshua tree yep i've assembled like all my favorite country artists, drag queens. We're including so many different friends, companies. Uh, you know, like um, I'm, I'm really good friends with the with the Zero Skateboards boys. I'm oh, actually cool. have, I'm kind of on Zero. Yeah. Uh, so we were having you like skate? 
I grew up skating. Oh, yeah. Wow. Not anymore now because I'm scared of breaking my wrists. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, like, uh, so we're going to have like, you know, zero there, the zero team with a ramp. We're going to have uh, the Gay Rodeo Association. We've got so many. It's going to be amazing. What's it's, the Gay Rodeo Association? It's a, it's like a gay rodeo circuit. So it's all queer LGBTQIA plus rodeo workers, performers, and oh, they wow. travel it around like a rodeo, but it's entirely LGBTQIA. And it's like kind of lesser known, but it's really it's really cool. special. And there's a uh, we're gonna have their involvement. There's uh it's gonna be like my dream sort of weekend uh, out in Pioneer Town, and yeah, we're really excited about. How it. many so, times have you done that? It's the first. Well, I've done usually the rodeo used to be just like one show, but we right. would do it at more like you know we've done it at like Red Rocks or the right. Great Theater, or like made it like a big thing with special guests. This is the first time we're doing it as like a three day thing. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to keep growing it sort of each time but what are the dates of that yeah it's november 10 11 12 uh it's gonna be super exciting there's like such 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 incredible people playing and it sounds like you can go there the music is just a great backdrop and a good reason to be there to go and check it out and yeah a bunch of friends go and do people camp do all the different things yeah there's like uh you know there's there's on-site stuff that were uh that kind of was sold in packages and there's right. like I think people are kind of staying in like, you know, the desert cities like Palm Springs, Yucca, whatever. But we could bring the bus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For sure you got to bring the bus. Yeah. But, um, it's going to be a pretty special a special weekend for sure. So that's kind of the big plan for this year. I took a big time out this year. I actually ended up uh, canceling and now rescheduling a huge chunk of tour dates because I just needed like a mental health break. Yeah. I was just like so burnt out this year. But this is kind of the big thing this year. And then... Back to touring starting in the spring. Touring burns you out. Dude, like I said, I did 17 years this year for me. Unreal. And I've never canceled a show once in my life other than COVID. Unreal. <laughs> it's like <laughs> madness. I mean, trying to like figure out how many shows you've even played, probably impossible. I don't even know. I really, I mean, there was one point where I was like drumming in my old punk band I was doing session drumming in two other touring bands. I was on tour, I think, for 10 months straight one year. When the first year of Orville Peck touring, I think we did something like 200 days out of the year. Crazy. Um, yeah, like madness. Just in like literal mental illness, I think. <laughs> like, it's crazy. I, I just said this to Binge after those shows in Vegas. I feel burned out. Dude, it ain't as easy. It's a different muscle. <laughs> yeah. And you could probably get it. I mean, you know, you look at like you look at like Elton. I mean, I saw his I saw his show at Dodgers this last whenever I think last year or whenever that was. It was like one of his last ones. I mean, I couldn't. That's insane. But he's been touring for like str pretty much straight for like fifty years. Like it's a machine madness. Lionel is the same way. He yeah. tours all the time, and he's it's crazy. He has he's been doing it for so long. He's got so much energy. He's so young. Yeah. And he says that's how he stays healthy and yeah. young. And it's like he works. And he's so good. I went to his show at the Forum and I was blown away at how good it was. I mean, he sounds better than ever. Yeah. And um, it's got, there's got to be something to that. But man, it's hard work. Yeah. And I it mean, does the, burn you out. The mentally. stamina. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, just the lack of like stability, really, you know, like every, new place every day. It just eventually. Yeah, it, it was uh, it was a hard year for me this year, for sure, mentally. But it's, I, it's hard to have a real life when you're doing that. Yeah, it's impossible. Like, relationships are tough, and you start thinking about, like, where's the balance of, like, there's Orville Peck, 
and then there's real life yeah. relationship family and that's like the the five year break we took was that it yeah. was it was like we were we were burned out we stopped then we started again for a second and it was too early and we knew it yeah and we we made a record we loved and we were like we really want to put it out and we went back on the road did 40 shows or something and we were like we did it too early we yeah. should have waited another year or something because we felt burned yeah and i think it's about it and everybody's different so you do have to tailor the suit that for you have sure. to wear right 100 so it's tough yeah no i think yeah it's uh but we'll be back to it next year i think i've like finally found the because also it was like covid so it was nothing yeah and then we got to come back and we were like oh my god do everything yeah and it was like this pendulum just like yeah. you know and i think i finally sort of found what works for me in terms of like length of tour how much time off in between tours all that stuff like um and I'm lucky enough that I'm in a position now where I can craft that, right? Yeah. Like, so. Yeah, you can design it. And your you know, fans will get more out of it when you design it. A hundred percent. Yeah. And, there, you know, everyone's been very sweet and understanding too, which has been great. But yeah, rodeo this year and then back to tons of touring next year. Dude, thanks for coming on. Man, thank you so much. I love you. You know, Love that. you too, man. Yeah. Thanks for being here. Of course. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Artist Friendly. If you really liked it, you can follow, like, subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Amazon. We appreciate your support, and we'll see you next time. Bad times, I don't.